Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Here again is podcast friend Max Benford to talk about men's ministry. Sometimes men's ministry turns into a hangout and neglects discipleship and the Bible. Where is the balance? Former men's ministry leader Max joins the gang to discuss this topic. Let's join in. So we are at a pretty cool event today. Uh, we're here with the Reverend Max Benfer, um, also known as the the Rambowski. Is that what it was that we we'd known him as before on the podcast? And it's a men's ministry weekend, so we are gathered here beating drums. Um, since I'm uh, one of the honorary guys, I got to come along, and and we're reading excerpts from Wild at Heart, and we thought, you know what? What a great time to interview Max because um, he used to be an assistant pastor and one of his main roles was, you know, the pastor and leader of, of the men's ministry in his church. And, and he's offered a lot of insights for us in, in the ministry. Hey, Max, how you doing? I'm doing really well. And I'm a little intimidated because I'm next to two really manly guys <laughs> yes. in, in Carl and Todd. Yes. Uh, <laughs> They're vying for most manly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they're can, all wearing Housewife the Allergen You can cut aprons. the testosterone with a knife. <laughs> you could. You, you can, could. You can. It's like butter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that, that, here, that here at Mortification of Spin, we, you know, you mentioned Wild at Heart, Amy. We mm-hmm. celebrate the entire uh, John Eldridge uh, catalog. I'm captivated by that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, on vinyl. On, yeah, on vinyl. So we're, I'm, I'm actually working on a series of, of interpretive dances to Wild at Heart. Fantastic. So, right. We'll get that on video. We'll it's going to be good. Sure. It's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Paul the Notes are doing the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Daltrey. Yeah. Oh, no, there's a man's man. There's a man's man. I like to think of Max as the Presbyterian Roger Daltrey. Oh, that oh. is a little a bit taller. huge compliment. Even as we what think of Carl as the reformed Elton John. Yeah. So. I mean, <laughs> Hold me close, oh tiny dancer. <laughs> Aren't you the equivalent of meatloaf? I, I am. But I'll tell you what, if I had to choose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I resign. I think <laughs> no, but seriously, we're talking about men's ministry, right, guys? Yeah, that's what we've been doing. So what do we want to ask? What, what do we want to ask Max? I mean. Well, I would, you know, I want to know, okay, so in men's ministry, did, did you take them, did you take them out in the woods? Did you bang on drums? Mm-hmm. What was the... Crazy adventures, I mean. Yeah, I um, was ordained and uh, newly ordained, and I, I had a, a few roles, and one was men's ministry. And so what I initially did was uh, went online, looked at, what are, you know? What do you do as a men's ministry pastor? I I read you know read up on men's ministry, got books on men's ministry, and within the first year, six months into it, I I found that I was essentially an event coordinator. Mm-hmm. I I I found out that in order to have a thriving men's ministry, you needed to plan a bunch of golf tournaments, right. fishing trips, hunting groups. No craft times, uh, <laughs> centerpiece making. Yes. No, no, not at Cookie all. Baking. Not at all. No, yeah, no, no nothing oh, like okay. that. Uh, I couldn't even admit to Ice liking breakers. vegetables. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and you essentially plan all these outings, and and you get you get guys out, 
and uh, it's a successful men's ministry if you have a bunch of guys getting together to do things with one another. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, you, you've got to have the right men's ministry name. Uh, you know, your, your, your men's ministry has, has to be named Brothers in Arms right. or... Fight you know, Club. Right, Fight Ignite. Club. Sons and Guns, does that Ex- work? Yeah. Any, Fire! Any, any, of those, any of those things. And... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it, I grew, I grew tired of it. it, The, the, the irony of it is that I think what the perception was is that the men's ministry was thriving under me and there were, there were a lot more guys coming out to things. And of course that feeds the pastor's ego in order to uh, show up at a congregational meeting and say, Hey, last year we had. 12 guys come to this thing and this year we had 42 come mm-hmm. to this thing it's a it's a numbers game right. but what i what i realized was that uh, at say a golf tournament uh, there was really little to no discussion about christ little mm-hmm. to no discussion about anyone's walk with christ mm-hmm. and furthermore these events were pulling guys away from the family they probably should have been being a good husband and father towards. Right. So uh, I quickly, not quickly, it probably took a year, but uh, but I, I moved away from that model. Yeah, I found there's a lot of pressure in churches to have a big men's ministry, big women's ministry. And I'm not, listen, I, I think that there's certainly a place for um, Bible studies and discipling happening uh, men meeting with men, women meeting with women. That, that's even prescribed in the and scripture. And even hanging out some. Absolutely. So none of that's bad. Sure. None of that's mm-hmm. bad. But there is this pressure to uh, to make it big, to make it fantastic, to make it spectacular. And you end up having to kind of outdo yourself each time. Exactly. And, and, and if, you've, if you've got experience in a, in a large church, you know what that pressure can be like. Absolutely. If you had, you know, if you've got this breakfast that you've done and it's not growing, or if you did the, the, the golf tournament and you had this many and you don't have as many next year, you feel that. Uh, How come the men always get the breakfasts <laughs> and men and women get the, the tea time? Oh, tea. Amy. Tea. That's not true because Todd has <laughs> invited right. you next year. We're doing a big conference at Todd's church <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're doing the breakfast. That's right. I and you breakfast. can bring your apron and prepare and, and the what food. what we mean by that is that you're cooking the breakfast. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, uh, granular coffee. The words. Right, there right. will be no granular mm. coffee there. Though. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, are you, are you going to get me the good stuff, coffee-wise at least, Tom? <laughs> we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. Um, go ahead. I was going to ask you, Max, so where do you think this, this view of men's ministries come from, that men's ministries is out there, I don't know, shooting things and setting fire to things and rowing across rivers, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know, where, do, where, does that, where does that come from? How has that grabbed the imagination as men's ministry rather than the things that you talked about, Bible study, prayer, spending time with your family? I, I think part of it is due to the fact that a lot of guys want to relive their childhood. And a lot of, I mean, I grew up, I don't know about, I'm sure you guys did as well. You, 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 you go outside, you, you play army, you know, you, you strap on guns, you, but, but rarely do any of us really do anything that mm. adventurous. Mm. And so you, you get married, you grow up, you get married, you have children, you work behind a desk, and then somebody comes along and says, hey guys, 
that's not being a man. Don't you remember all the great adventures you used to want to go on? So let's all go out together and let's uh, be the kind of men that we always wanted to be but couldn't be because we got wrapped up in this everyday life. Right. right. And, uh, and I just, you know, you, 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 you look at the Scripture, and uh, if that's what God has called you to do, I mean, if you're, if you're working, you know, as, a, as an engineer or, you know, you're working at a desk job in an office somewhere and you've got a wife and children, that's what God's called you right. to. Mm. I mean, that is being a man. And, and, to, yeah. and to, for me to pull you away from that, yeah. to go be a real man, it, it creates yeah. uh, category confusion. I yeah, think. yeah. What you just described, I, I think, is, is exactly where it's come from. And, and, this, and this, in part, was fueled by, I mentioned earlier, by, by the John Eldridge stuff which was that whole mystique of lost masculinity. Mm-hmm. Now we can have a, you know, a decent discussion on, you know, uh, s- some of those kinds of issues, but 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 the prescription that came out of him and out of that movement was, you know, let's get out in the woods, bang a drum, you know, have an adventure, this sort of thing. And you know, I, I think about, well, you know, actually the the tasks of of a man, particularly if he's taken on the responsibility of a family is to go to work every day and get a paycheck so that they can have food mm-hmm. and a roof over their head and clothing. It's being responsible. It's keeping your commitments. Um, that's man stuff, not acting like you're a knight out in the woods. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I think, I think you know, to try and recapture um, some of the decent attributes sure. that you you see in eras gone by sure yeah. there's nothing wrong with that i i didn't have a problem with guys getting together to hang out right but uh you know to 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 think that we should have been born in 1100 mm-hmm. uh that that somehow that was where you know we've got to try to get back to that right. era i think you're 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 so just what if you're a guy who you know, likes to read or, um, oh, please. <laughs> what if you're a guy who isn't really into camping? I thought this was a men's ministry. <laughs> read Amy. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> the reason to have a job is you don't have to camp. Well, I, I tell you, Amy, that's a, that's a great question because, uh, what I, the irony of it is that I found myself outside of the scope of men's ministry at a certain point because all of these things I was planning were things I didn't really care to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm not that into, uh, I'm not a fisherman. I went on the fishing trips, but uh, barely knew how to put a worm on the hook. Right, right. And uh, so, so is here, that sending a message that you're not manly enough then? <clears throat> well, yeah, it, 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 I guess. <laughs> Actually. I, <laughs> but, you know, I think the for me the bigger problem or one of the biggest problems with 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 this whole idea of men's ministry, and I and I didn't completely dismantle it. I I, I think again, I think it's fine for guys to get together, or, sure. or and especially to disciple one another mm-hmm. and all of that. But I think what happens when you create uh, this thing, this separate entity, and call it men's ministry, is that I think you're giving the idea subtly, or maybe not so subtly, to church members that what happens on Sunday morning with word and sacrament ministry isn't ministry or it's not good right. enough for you. Right. Um, I, you know, I want the men in my church to realize that is the men's ministry. Right. You know, when you show up and you hear the word preached and you take mm-hmm. the sacraments, you're being ministered to. Right. Uh, and, and you don't, that, that's our men's ministry. Mm. Right. <clears throat> right. One of the things that's come up twice in conversation in the last couple of weeks once with Colin the Book over in Belfast, 
and once yesterday when Amy and I were over at the Westminster Book uh, Store chatting to the management there was that men don't read, Mm -hmm. particularly since Presbyterian men Mm -hmm. don't read. Mm. That the the money, such as it is, that these bookstores are making is generally off non-Presbyterians and off women. Mm. What do you think that says about the state of masculinity in the church? I, I, yeah, it's it's sad to hear. I mean, um, I, I I I'm constantly trying to encourage the guys in, in in my church. Every we every time we have we have a once a month evening service that I I hope can expand to to more days out of the month. Um, but it's the first Sunday of every month, and I have books that I give away, mm-hmm. and um, I have a an entire bookshelf of what I call giveaway books. Mm. And I, I'm constantly trying to encourage everybody, but, um, but, uh, but hopefully the men of the church to, to read the, the books that I give them. Right. But also uh, every year in December, I sent out a, uh, an encouragement to, to pick a Bible reading plan and read mm. through it. Because I, I agree. I, I don't think, um, I don't think a lot of the, the members period are, are doing a lot of reading of anything, um, yeah. but certainly not their Bibles. And, and if we're not, if we're not going to know what scripture says, how are we going to know how we ought to follow God? And that's, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, men's ministry beginning on the Lord's day under the ministry of the word. Uh, one of the things that, that, that you'll oftentimes go see, see missing in discussions of women's ministry and men's ministry is just the very simple idea of the ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's the ministry. They're never right. there. Right. Mm. It, it's the activities. It's the, you know, and even, even when we think about discipling and there are some wonderful, you know, well-known uh, discipleship parachurch ministries out there, and I don't want to denigrate them. Um, but I've had, conversations with leadership in some of these very well-known ministries and they don't have a category for the ordinary means of grace Mm. or for the importance of the lord's day it's all you and your group of men Mm -hmm. or or your paul having your paul and your timothy now those can all be leveraged for really good service for the lord no doubt about it but but it's it's almost entirely separate from any Mm -hmm. category of of the importance of being together in worship under the, the authority of God's word and the ministry of the sacraments. Um, the, the, the idea that real ministry and real discipleship right. happens when I'm one-on-one with that's a guy. Right. Or that's right. That's right. Or in some group. And right. I, yeah. Like I, promise keepers, for example. Exactly. Are. Carl. Carl's a big promise oh, keeper. Huge, huge, <laughs> I think I saw you there in 92, 93. Uh, yeah, it was You were awesome. only 26 at the time, so barely responsible. Exactly. Well, I, and I had already time. walked up to the front of the stage um, to, to rededicate myself. So anyway. Fantastic. Well, I, I, had a, I had a conversation just this past Sunday with a guy who was asking me about small groups. Mm-hmm. He said, I, you know, it doesn't seem like your church is promotes them or, right. or has much to do with small groups. And I said, well, we're not opposed to somebody joining a small group, but we're not going to tell everyone they have to be in yeah. one. Yeah. And, and then I said this, and his jaw dropped. I said, look, you, you've got a wife and, and two children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a built-in small group mm-hmm. that God has made you head of. And you can, I said, men and women are constantly trying to get themselves into a small group that splits the family. Right. And I said, what, you know, why don't you take the time 
to open up your Bible and ask your children for prayer requests mm-hmm. and lead them in a study of the Bible. That is your small group. Right. And, right. And, he, and he said, that's, I've never heard that before. Yeah. He said that one idea could change mm-hmm. so many things. Yeah. And uh, it's just, I think the church has just done a disservice to, to the family. To, and, and when I told um, a couple of years into, like I said, I, I, I kind of played that game for a year. And then I went up at the next congregational meeting and I said, look, I'm not going to run men's ministry this way anymore. And again, the irony of it is that it, it seemed like it, it, it had gotten a lot better under mm-hmm. me and it was a lot more guys were involved. And, and I said, look, from now on, it's going to be men's ministry is going to be me getting together with guys and seeing how they're doing spiritually mm-hmm. and, and just waiting on the Lord to work. And I can't tell you how many wives came up to me and thanked me for that mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted to see their husbands grow spiritually. They wanted right. to see their husbands home right. and not away on these events all the well, time. And, and that just goes to show, too, when it's so activity-oriented like that um, and connected to this word men's ministry and manhood, it's, you know, all of a sudden being a man is about what you do instead of who you are. Right. And that's what our culture is saying so much in, in so many ways. We're all so confused about these things. And I think that can add to the gender confusion when we're just like, you are a man. And so are you and you. And mm-hmm, <laughs> that's the way mm-hmm. God made you. It doesn't mean that you have to connect that to these specific extreme activities mm-hmm. or yeah. ever to confirm that. Yeah, absolutely. And it plays in, I think, to how though with the best will in the world some christians who are trying to react against worldly paradigms mm-hmm. have uh, simply constructed worldly paradigms of their exactly. own exactly yeah again we've we've talked quite a bit on this program about complementarianism mm-hmm. and it's very interesting you know scott mcknight is a friend of this program has pointed out on numerous occasions that complementarity is talked about by complementarians almost exclusively in terms of submission and authority mm-hmm. that care, sacrifice, love, in terms of biblical text, the song of songs, these are things that don't seem to pop up in conversation about the complementarity of the sexes. And I think that too is, is part and parcel of what's gone on, that uh, a desire to rightfully react against radical feminism has constructed a kind of hmm. equally worldly concept right. of what in it troubling. means to be a man. Mm-hmm. As I'm That's pretty sure point. that the kind of views that are put across as biblical manhood in, in the United States, many of them wouldn't play in other cultures mm. because manhood, without wanting to go down the pure relativist line, there is a certain sense in which manhood is culturally constructed. Mm-hmm. And I think Asian conceptions of, of manhood are different to American. And I think English conceptions of manhood very different to America. Uh, obviously. Well, absolutely. <laughs> now, well, we don't strap guns on for stuff. But also, the, there is a certain, in the way I was brought up, a certain aloofness and quietness and reservation that was seen to be of the essence mm-hmm. of manhood. Right. That, you know, aloof, quiet, and reserved, not terms I would generally apply yeah. to my brother Todd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and that's cultural. It's not biblical or unbiblical. Right. It's, right. it's part, of the, part of the culture. And yeah. I think biblical manhood, we need to conceive of it in biblical terms. I, I, I'm, I, I hate that I'm going to say this, but um, I, I really see the, acting out the point you made earlier which was excellent which which was that we've we've looked at the rise of feminism with justified concern but we've met it then mm-hmm. with worldly a worldly response which is mm-hmm. yeah. okay 
the, 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 the rise and the grasping for power over here, we're going to meet it with an, with, with an even bigger yeah. grasping yeah. for power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is not the biblical prescription. And the way you can tell that, of course, is that when you look at notions of biblical manhood, they've changed over the last 10 years precisely because feminism has changed. If they were biblical notions of manhood, they would not have fundamentally changed because they would be transcultural at that point. What really biblical manhood has become in common parlance is kind of third-wave biblical manhood in reaction to third-wave feminism. And this, we hope, is, is what our men are learning in the life of the church, mm. you know, here's what, uh, you know, to, to, to know that what a man is, is he keeps his commitments. He watches over his family. He nurses his wife when she's descending into exactly. Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Right. He mm-hmm. feeds her. He cares for her. Right. He loves her even as, even as in some way she ceases to be the woman he married all those yeah. years ago. Even when she can't That's meet his manhood. needs. Right, right. Yeah, I heard, I heard a sermon Actually, while I was doing this men's ministry, and uh, and the guy made a great point. I thought he said, um, you know, instead of fighting with your wife every weekend and getting into a fight in order for you to go play golf, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a wife and children at home, he said, recognize that that is your life. God has placed you in in this situation. It wasn't by mistake that you have a wife and children. And he said, if you come home every day and serve your wife and raise your children and love them every day and get up and do it again the next day. He said, you'll probably come home one weekend and your wife will have your bags packed for you. And she will gladly with a smile on her face say, I just set up a golf weekend for you with your friends because I want to give this to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what, a, what a joy that is to, to have that be the relationship with your wife rather than one where the church is pulling you away from her constantly. I mean, how counterproductive is that? Right, right. Yeah. And I think that goes to a deeper point in the church as well, that churches can overwork men and women mm-hmm. and make too many demands mm-hmm. upon them and not realize that you know, after Sunday worship services, a family's priority needs to be the f- needs to be the family, mm-hmm. yeah. and all other activities are negotiable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it needs to be their family, it needs to be mm-hmm. their neighbors. Yeah. And that's, you know, my, my perspective is um, let's make sure we're not keeping our husbands and wives so busy that they actually can't be good neighbors mm-hmm. um, and have someone in their home. And um, so, yeah, the, but, but the demand for activity is so strong. Mm-hmm. It's just so strong in churches and well and it's a function of the wider culture we we're terrified of of having nothing to do with our right. time right. so well, we fill it with activities it just seems to happen so much better naturally too i mean like my husband's got a group of guys from our church that he'll go out and have a beer with mm-hmm. sometimes and you know there's never any fighting about it it's mm-hmm. not like super uh, you know our children are a little older now but at the same time it doesn't need to be like some big organized event where you have to RSVP and That's all right. these things mm-hmm. it's right. just natural like hey i need some i need a guy to talk to yeah. that i can trust mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. you want to go get a beer and i just think that that's you know more organic yeah happening mm-hmm. within the church than just um you know this is our next cool guys event that we're going to do as new hope church or whatever that's it is right. that's right and let the pastors be shepherds right. and not right. event planners. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, exactly. I, I spent all of my time mm-hmm. calling caterers and, you mm-hmm. know, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
and you know it got to the point where I w- it felt like I wasn't even being a pastor anymore. Right. So, well, it's been great to have you on the program again, Thank Max. You. We we don't think of you as the fifth Beatle. We think of you as the fourth spinner. <laughs> the number of times that you well, thanks, guys. You've come yeah. back. And Does that uh, mean we can uh, forward some of our hate mail on to oh, Max? I think uh, we need a scapegoat. We'll forward it on to Max and then send him out to the wilderness. You know? Yeah, so yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, so I like no, that. I, that I could be his men's. Uh, Manly ministry. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and I want you to know, Max, there's some well-known names on some of that hate mail we get. So, you know, you never know. Hey, well, to pass it on. I, I desperately want to be a celebrity, so. Well, no, thank you. It was a, my pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you on, and uh, we hope to continue this conversation over on the blog, so please visit our blog, modificationofspin.org. And until the next time we all meet, uh, we wish you well. And a serious expression In the middle of July In the middle of July And if it means I must prepare To shoulder burdens with a worried air I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up Not me Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin A podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals A coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a reformed awakening in today's church. Mortification of Spin is listener-supported. We enjoy bringing you this podcast every week and hope you enjoy it too, but we need your financial support. Please donate by heading to mortificationofspin.org. And while you're there, check out our podcast archive and the Mortification of Spin blog. And be sure to come back next week to hear from Rusty Reno author and editor of First Things Magazine. And I thought maybe uh, to ask you to expand on that a little bit of how a Christian would define freedom opposed to how most people talk about it. Well, most people think freedom is the ability to do what you want. Yeah. And that's actually true, but they misunderstand the greatest threat to our ability to do what we want, (laughs) that we are in the thrall of the powers of the world. Mm-hmm. Whether there is economic discipline or peer pressure or what have you. And so the key to freedom is the ability to stand against the spirit of the age. And you can only stand against if you are anchored in something that is powerful enough to provide you with an anchor. That's next time. Thanks for joining us each week and being part of the Mortification of Spin community. We'll talk to you next time. Him well this time. That's unusual for you to wish yeah. someone well. It's a big deal. I was just being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded good. You, you know, didn't really believe that crap, well. did you? <laughs> when I was dean, all the, fa- all the faculty at Westminster always signed their emails blessings. And I remember saying to my secretary, should I start signing my emails blessings? And she said, no. And I said, why not? She said, because nobody would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would only ever sign off emails blessings if I'd had to 
come down like the hammer of Thor on somebody, and then I would sign off. That's Bless, really like blessings. More of a <laughs> blessings. Stab there. <laughs> Love you. You knew when I was out to get you when I blessed you. 